Welcome to Discovering You, a podcast that explores the intricacies of personality and how it impacts the way we navigate through life. What will you discover today? Hi, listeners. Hi, Heather. Hi there. How are you feeling today, Heather? I'm feeling amazing. My mood meter says that I am inspired. I am high energy and high pleasantness. Oh my goodness, you're on fire today. I know, I'm feeling good. Okay, well, mine is a little different (laughs) from last time. You remember last time? I do remember your extra caffeine. I did. I had that second cup and I was feeling it. Definitely a little more high energy last time. So today I got more of a low energy, just kind of like chill. I think it's been one of those things where it's been like a frustrating week or two. And also, I've been looking at stuff the last couple of days for, you know, it's tax season. So I've been having to do all that fun stuff to get ready. I mean, I'm not doing it like my accountant does it, thank God, but I have to prepare (laughs) this stuff, right? So I think just looking at that and just not necessarily fun stuff. So I think that's probably where it's coming from for me. Well, that's no fun. Okay, I can't be like super like upbeat and perky every day. And we have you in this mood today. So you're going to just pull us through, Heather. I really do feel inspired. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I love that. Okay, so back to what we're talking about. Today I'm continuing something I started last fall. You may remember. I broke down each of the disc factors and really took a deep dive into them. So if you want to check that out, episode 11 was deconstructing high D. Episode 12 was illuminating high I. Now it's high S's turn. But before we jump into that, International Harry Potter Day is coming up. Guess what this month's disc comparison is going to be? When I use this example in my workshop, the Harry Potter fans get so excited and actually quite competitive with each other to see who guesses the fastest. So, Heather, are you a fan? I'm embarrassed to say that I have not read the books or watched the movies. You don't have to be embarrassed. I don't actually think it's the demographic, right? I don't know. I think it is. They're like the highest watched and read books. (laughs) Okay. Well, to help you out, I have only watched maybe two of the movies. And that's only because of my daughter. I would not have watched them and the only reason I've actually read the books is the same thing as because of her. I was reading them at the same time as her as something to bond over, but it normally it, it wouldn't be. No apology necessary. <laughs> All right. So for those of you fans out there, without further ado, I give you disc according to Hogwarts houses. High D is, drumroll, Slytherin. They are ambitious and risk takers. High I is Hufflepuff, friendly and approachable. High S is Gryffindor, loyal and kind. And high C is Ravenclaw, intellectual and creative. How did everyone do? I find that most people answer high D and high I easily, but high S and high C are trickier. And speaking of S, back to today's topic, the third disc factor, steadiness. People who are high in steadiness are amiable, dependable, thorough, tenacious, and good listeners. And here's a point of distinction. When we discussed high D and high I, 
their behavior is more externalized. And so it's more noticeable. They're definitely more the talkers. Whereas high S and high C, this is more internalized behavior. And they are more the listeners. S's enjoy helping others, and this often turns into a purpose in their personal and professional lives. They are drawn to careers in helping professions, such as teachers, healthcare professionals, counselors, mentors. Some famous examples are Barack Obama, Princess Kate, Dr. Sanjay Gupta. Listeners, based on this quick description, do you think you may be high in the steadiness factor? Here's a quick way to figure it out. I'm going to read out five questions that appear on a DISC questionnaire, and then I'll let you know which answers line up with having a high level of steadiness in your profile. For each question, you're going to select the word that is most like you and the word that is least like you. It isn't always easy to choose, but just go with your first inclination and don't overanalyze it. All right, number one, willing, meaning ready to help others. Eager agreeable, and high-spirited. So willing, eager, agreeable, high-spirited. If you chose willing as most and high-spirited as least, that's very high S of you. Number two, happy, precise, courageous, even-tempered. If you selected even-tempered for most, and happy for least, that indicates steadiness. Number three, admirable, kind, resigned, forceful. Kind is most like S, and forceful is least. Number four, argumentative, adaptable, relaxed, lighthearted. For this one, Relaxed is most like high S, and argumentative is least like. Number five, talkative, controlled, conventional, decisive. If you picked conventional as most like you, and decisive as least like you, that is on brand for high S. Okay, so Heather, obviously you've done your DISC, but did the answers on this mini assessment align with the fact that your disc comes out as having a low S? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> okay. You know, Heather and I joke about this a lot because we're super familiar, but listeners, as a reminder, high doesn't mean good and low doesn't mean bad. So to say, oh, I've got a low I or a low S, there's something positive for the low factors as well. And you are going to hear more about this shortly. When I'm running sessions, and I'm going to say specifically with sales reps, I intentionally spend more time explaining high S. You may be wondering why. It's very typical to have a high I and high D when you're in sales, and it's also likely to have a low S. But listen to this. S is the most represented disc factor population-wise, so (laughs) there's lots of S's out there. And when dealing with someone who has a very different profile than you, you'll want to ensure that you're able to make meaningful connections with them. Now, to add another layer to this, S's are the toughest nuts to crack. Are you confused yet? I've described them as amiable, caring, and helpful. So why would these people be tough? They are very hard to read. Because they are listeners more than talkers, they don't give you very much. They are hanging back and processing what's going on rather than jumping right into it. 
they'll often have a neutral expression on their face while they're doing this. So it's hard to know how your message is being received. I like to joke that they are the epitome of the phrase, keep calm and carry on. (laughs) They have the best poker face. To indicate that they hear you, they will give you a nod. Now, (laughs) I got to spend a lot of time on this. And I do so in my sessions because I call it the infamous S nod. It's often misinterpreted as a sign that they are in agreement with what you're saying. But this is one of the most common mistakes that low S people make in a sales scenario. They interpret the nod for a yes, and then they go full steam ahead into closing the deal mode. This is the worst thing you can do because high S's do not like to be put on the spot or pressured to make a quick decision. I can definitely vouch for this as S is my highest factor. Okay, I'm going to synthesize steadiness into some categories to facilitate a deeper understanding. Their communication style. I've already mentioned that S's are good listeners. So yes, listening is their communication style. And they do so in a supportive, patient, friendly manner. But more specifically, active listening. And I'm not sure if everyone is familiar with what this means. Heather, do you know or do you want to guess? I don't know if I know. (laughs) And I think I'm not great at it. So I'm going to take a swing. Okay. But I believe active listening involves giving your full attention to the other person and sort of understanding what is being said and like providing feedback and showing that you're engaged in the conversation and not just sort of half listening and getting the gist of what they're saying. (laughs) That's really good. That's right. Obviously, that's something that you have heard about and you've retained it. And and that's great because not everybody really knows this distinction, but I think I've retained it because I'm not good at it. And so (laughs) I've been told to maybe potentially (laughs) focus on one thing at a time and be an active listener. Okay. I like that. I like that. Here's what it really comes down to. We tend to listen to respond versus listening to hear. We've all done it, myself included. When you start formulating your response while the person is still talking, And so your focus shifts to what you're going to say. Perhaps it's a rebuttal and you're projecting what you believe the rest of their story or point is going to be. This is not active listening. To active listen, if you're to clear your mind and open yourself up to what is being said, take it all in without judgment and reactivity. And only when they are finished, do you start to respond? So yes, this isn't always easy, especially if, you know, I use the word rebuttal, if you're in some type of conflict situation. I think it's very natural that you start formulating your argument, but it's really something that I think if we all worked on it and gave a little bit more to it, we would really see a more successful resolution. Active listening also involves asking the person for clarification if you're unsure of what they're trying to express, or even just to let them know that they've been heard and understood. For example, I would say something like this. What I hear you saying, Heather, is A, B, C. Is that right? Or when you finished a conversation or meeting, it's helpful to summarize what was said and if there are any takeaways. You'd be surprised (laughs) by how many people leave the same meeting, but have heard completely different things. Let's move on now to what motivates high S's. Security, inclusion on a team, stability. What are their fears? the exact opposite of their motivators. Insecurity, rapid change, and instability. Situations or environments that are fast-paced and don't follow any clear systems, 
feel like chaos to them. And speaking of pace, this is a key word for high S's. Their preferred pace is, you guessed it, steady. (laughs) They operate in a systematic way and value time to reflect and contemplate. They prefer to do one thing at a time, do it well, and then move on to the next. This is why they don't react well to being rushed. And pace is really the main differentiator between high and low S's. So low S's thrive in fast-paced environments and feel very comfortable multitasking. Now, I have to pause here and say I would be remiss not to mention that a lot of recent research on the ability to actually multitask successfully shows that it isn't really possible. (laughs) And those of us who are high S's feel like we've always known that. But the low S is not so much. What the research has shown is that something will always be sacrificed in the attempt. This is a much larger conversation, but the distinction I'm drawing here is around the word comfortable. Whether it's truly efficient or not, low S's feel comfortable doing it, while high S's do not. Here's another way to look at pace, and I'm going to use an exercise from one of my workshops to demonstrate it. Hopefully this works well on the audio (laughs) in this format. Heather, will you assist me? Yeah, for sure. If I ask you to tap out what your natural, comfortable pace to operate at is, what would it sound like? I'm going to give you an example. Here's an example of a slower pace. Here's a medium, steady pace. And here's a quicker pace. Okay, let me clarify too, this doesn't just have to be at work. This is what you naturally feel comfortable with. It could be how you like to operate on the weekends, even if you don't necessarily have a schedule, just how you feel most comfortable operating in the world. Okay, in the workshops, I do a three, two, one countdown. Then everyone around the table taps their preferred pace. When they look around at each other, they're really amazed at how well this exercise aligns with their S factor. Okay, so we're going to do a little mini version of this. Okay, Heather, I'm going to count you down and then (laughs) we're going to do your pace. Okay. Okay. Three, two, one. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. And here is mine. Three, two, one. Suffice it to say, hopefully this comes out well, but the listeners could probably hear Heather has a much faster pace than I do. And that is not a surprise because S is my highest factor. And for Heather, it's not your lowest factor, but it's your second lowest factor. But it's interesting because Heather, you and I have so many things in common. We've talked about this before. You know, we both have high C's and low I's and we both would identify more with being on the introversion scale and the HSP. But for S, this is pretty different. This is probably the most opposite we are on something. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm curious what your thoughts were on that whole multitasking point. No, I don't disagree with the studies. Hmm. For me, it's not multitasking. I recognize that I can't do three things at the same time. Mm -hmm. But where I think that my, and you can tell me better which factor this is, I can pivot from one project to the next. I can work on this podcast and then jump on another something and do something else right after. I recognize trying to do two things at once is not productive. And I do have 27 tabs open on my (laughs) internet browser. That still happens, but now it's more of a checklist as opposed to like, don't close the browser until it's finished type of thing. And you know what? You used a keyword there. 
And it's something that I will often use. So you use the word pivot. And that's really funny because that comes up a lot. And one of the things that I think is very challenging for high S's is to pivot. I think they very much like to have a plan, sort of a strategy. This is the direction I'm moving in. This is how things are going. And then when the rug is pulled out, it's like, oh, no, we're not heading in this direction. We're heading in that direction. And it's like, what? <laughs> you know, I've wrapped my head around this. What do you mean? Listeners, at the beginning when I said having a factor low isn't bad, here's a perfect example. Having a low S, one of the great attributes of having a low S is you're really good at pivoting. You can say, oh, okay, I'm going to do this now. That's a great asset. So as you can see, having a low S can be very, very advantageous. And Heather, I think it probably would be like you said, you're you're doing a whole bunch of different things, different podcasts and editing. And if I had 27 tabs open, <laughs> I would cry. <laughs> I mean, it's not ideal no matter what your disc mm -hmm. factors are, but I recognize it a lot in my husband who he's a high S as well. And yeah, it's very structured. Exactly. I can't say like, let's do this and then we're going to do that. It just very quickly spirals in a bad direction. So while that makes sense to me, it doesn't make sense for him. Okay. I got your back, Frank. I totally relate. <laughs> The more that I think about it, I think there's more high S's around me than I originally thought now that we're digging into it. Well, and that makes sense because, you know, population wise, it is the most represented factor. And it's funny, you and I have chatted about this offline because of the industries that we are in and support. We see a lot of high D's and a lot of high yeah. I's, but D is the least represented. So it, it feels weird to know that, no, just looking at the general population. But again, you and I don't do a lot of work with, let's say, teachers or nurses or whatever. So we would have a very different perspective if we did. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So getting back to this, you may remember for high D and high I, I looked at the type of questions that they ask. For instance, D, they like to say what. For I, they're asking who. And for S, it's why. For example, they want to know why are these changes happening? And by the way, I didn't randomly select the word change as the example. High S's are often accused of resisting or hating change, but I'd like to clarify, it's not that they categorically dislike all change, but they need to wrap their heads around why it's happening. I like to reframe this and say that they contemplate change. This is something I find myself discussing with leaders on a fairly regular basis. They'll be frustrated that a new initiative they've announced was met with a less than enthusiastic response from their employees. The benefit of having a tool like DISC is in the way that different behaviors can be explained and understood without personalizing it. Leaders are often high Ds who are very quick decision makers. So already, that's very opposite to high S. And they are often the idea people coming up with out-of-the-box concepts. They're the starters. They're not necessarily the implementers or the finishers, though. Guess who is? <laughs> yep, high S. When you're the person who knows that you have to take an idea and actually bring it to fruition and completion, it's going to take a minute to figure it out, right? It involves some critical and strategic thinking. So when the high S is looking less than excited, it's more than likely that they are deeply processing the information and mentally going through all the steps from A to Z that will have to be taken to actually implement it. I think you'll find that if you give the high S some room to mull it over and come up with a plan, they'll get on board. When interacting with high S, remember to focus on providing all the steps, team inclusion, and security. 
you'll want to use questions like, have I left anything out? Would you like to talk about this further? Do you want to take some time to think about it? To gain commitment, you're going to want to stay calm, give them time to think before answering, and ask, how can we work together to accomplish this? Now let's look at the strengths as well as some challenges of high steadiness. Strengths. Developing specialist skills. Concentrating on the job at hand. Completing work thoroughly. Maintaining consistency. Tenacity. Sounds great, right? Well, here comes the inevitable challenges. Quickly responding to change. Initiating new projects. Contributing to a conversation working with tight deadlines, challenging the status quo. This brings me to the coaching exercise I use. It's about looking at your profile and imagining how someone with a very different one may interpret what they're seeing in you. It's an exercise in self-awareness to consider the signals we could unwittingly be giving off, leading to the wrong impression. So we're going to do a word flip with high-ass adjectives to see how something that's a positive could be viewed as not so positive. Let's start with tenacious. Great attribute, right? Yes, but through the looking glass of the opposite personality, the word flip is stubborn. (laughs) When I'm coaching high S's, I ask if they've ever been described as stubborn by family or friends. They usually break into a sheepish smile because it rings true. (laughs) My advice to them is the next time they hear it, reframe it. And tell the friend or family, no, 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 no. What you're seeing is just my tenacity. (laughs) Heather, would you say Frank is stubborn? Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But he's also tenacious, right? Yes. And I would honestly say he's not stubborn. You're right. It's tenacious. Yeah, exactly. Okay, for the next word flip, consistent. Okay, so this is important as an employee because it ties into dependability and reliability. So that's all positive. But flipping it, it can also be regarded as unchanging or stuck in your ways. And finally, if we look at concentrating on the job at hand, again, sounds good, but it can be viewed as unable to use big picture thinking. Remember, we do this exercise to gain the advantage of considering alternate perceptions. And this provides you with the ability to modify your approach to ensure you aren't being misunderstood. It's the thought process behind it. I said that today to my friend. I said, I think I'm nice, but I don't think I'm kind. Where I think a nurse or a teacher or you are probably kind to everyone. It is funny because that is a distinction that sometimes this will come up, right? When we're when I'm doing a session. And it's funny, the distinction I usually draws around high I and high S. So it, it to me, it, so it's a good point because you're not even a high I, but you're relating to that. So for high eyes, I will say they are often given the title of the nicest of the four disc factors, but then high S would be the kindest. And then sometimes people will say, well, isn't that the same thing? Or, you know, and it's like, not really, because you can, you know, we, we talk about that. You can be nice. You can be a pleasant person, chatty, friendly, but that doesn't mean that the things you're doing, let's say acts of service or really, you know, putting somebody's needs ahead of you or that, that's kind. So, so that is kind of a difference and that's definitely high S. So, so I guess that's an interesting observation that you made in terms of that. Well, and I look at Frank cause he's a high S. Mm-hmm. If I'm like, Oh, I have to go get my computer. He just gets up and goes, 
But never if he said, I need to go get my glasses, do I get up off the couch and go get his glasses. It's very distinct between him and I. Okay. He is kind to people and expects nothing in return. When I think of you or him, oh, yeah, now I'm starting to see where the high S comes in. Okay. I have a best friend, and I've been trying to figure out her disc profile since I met you. (laughs) And every time I ask a question, and they just will not give me an answer from like a decision standpoint. And I'm like, why is this so hard? Right. Now I know why it's so hard, because the more you got to talking about this today, the more I was like, oh, she's a high ass. I think she's probably looking at me like, how are you making these decisions so quickly? Like, I'm just like, let's make a plan because I don't want to waste anybody's time. Right. Does she listen to this podcast? (laughs) You should get her to. (laughs) But she might. (laughs) Well, and it's interesting, right? Because we've been very close friends since we were kids. Oh, wow. We're very different personality wise, but we've been very close friends for a very long time. But it's interesting. Every day I'm, I'll ask a question and she just doesn't give me an answer. And I'm in my inside voice is like, what is going on here? And my outside voice is like, do you need more information? And she's like, I'll get back to you. Uh, and it just clicked now that I'm like, oh, she's a high S. See, that's a famous saying like a high. That's exactly it. Let me think about it. I'll get back to you. So depending on what the question is, if it is something like if she has to check her calendar, or if she has to figure something out or just it's almost like. And I think this came up last time in the HSP episode. S's don't, what they share with that is they don't like to be put on the spot because they're not going to be able to do their best thinking in that situation. They don't want to be pressured or rushed. So if they are to give you an answer, they don't feel confident that it's the right one or that they would then have to say, oh no, you know what? I, oh, I said I could do it. Now I'm, I can't do it. Probably because they don't want to let you down. That's the other thing, right? They don't want to say that and make a mistake and let you down. They really want to make sure they can commit to it. From the other side of it, I'm like, just commit to it. (laughs) Just commit to an answer so we can move along. But now when you say that, and this goes back to you always seeing both sides of it and how the education is good for both of us, because now I can say, okay, this is my question to you. I'll circle back later tonight. And hopefully we can come up with an answer where if someone asked me to give an answer in 12 hours, I would have been like, I made 97 decisions in that 12 hours. That's a combination for you of a high D and a low S. So that's almost a double whammy of that decision making. For instance, let's say she has a really low D as well as a really high S. That could also make it be more extreme. So I I don't know that I would be as extreme as her because I have like kind of a midline high D. Mm-hmm. But I definitely like to hear those words. And this is this is what I'm always saying when I'm coaching sales representatives to say to somebody if they think they're high S, take your time, think about it, mull it over, let me know. And as much as that drives them crazy because they're you know they don't have that profile and they're like antsy, come on, let's go, but Here's the interesting thing. And you know what, Heather, try it out on your friend, maybe. Actually, maybe don't let her listen to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> then she's like, what are they doing? They're playing mind games. But try this experiment and see if it works. Instead of saying that to her, literally do that. Say, okay, you know what? Take your time. Let me know. I'm going to guarantee you that within a couple times of you doing that, she's going to get back to you faster than she would have before. Hmm. Because S's kind of go into like a little bit of panic mode when they feel like they have to do something and it clutters up their brain. When you say to them, 
take your time, think about it. It's like a weight is being lifted off of their shoulders and now they can breathe and now they can focus. And ironically, they will most likely end up getting back to you faster. That's so interesting. So that's a little hack. Let's try it out on your friend. (laughs) I'm going to. But I think it's good for the relationship, right? Yeah, totally. Because then I am asking in a way that makes people comfortable. Yes. That's the whole point. That is the whole point. And again, this is one of those things where sometimes people say to me, oh, but if I'm doing this differently, isn't that disingenuous? Like this is who I am and this is how I am. And I don't know about that. And I say, but if you're trying to make a connection with somebody, if you think about it, you know, what you're doing is actually kind of such a gift to that other person. Because if if you knew someone was tailoring their approach to talk to you in a way that made sense and that resonated with your style, like, wouldn't that be very altruistic almost of them, of giving of them to, to be doing that? And they're like, oh my gosh, that's so true. So that's really, that's really what it is. Well, and I think because I recognize the high S in Frank, Mm -hmm. I would never say to him, do you want to go for dinner tonight with friends? And expect him to answer. I'm like, we're planning dinner with friends in three weeks on a Saturday when you don't have to work the next day. And it's not because he's difficult and he likes going out for dinner with friends, but he needs to put it in place and he doesn't like to be out late if he has to work and things like that. But I never put two and two together with my friend. Well, now you know. (laughs) I mean, I could be way off base because I'm not trained in disc, so I'm just winging it here. But I would say you're getting pretty close by this point. Okay, well, that is Hayas in a nutshell. Instead of a question, we have some feedback from listeners this episode. The HSP episode really resonated with this audience. Our first comment comes from a listener in Australia. Well, Victoria, I listened to this and I'm pretty sure I'm an HSP. So great to begin to understand this. Thanks for an illuminating trip to work. I've just decoded some of the responses and how I experience others and the world. Awesome. I love to hear that. Another piece of feedback. Your PSA in this episode was on point. Thank you for the validation. Now I just need to play it for everyone I know. (laughs) That's good. So true, right? Introduction to DISC. A succinct, lively talk which outlines the foundations of DISC theory and how to infuse it into work and daily life. Great as a standalone session or an introductory step in the team building office culture process. If you are interested in connecting with Victoria for team building, strategic onboarding, coaching, or a speaking engagement, you can contact her at Discover What Works. Thanks for listening. Remember, send in your questions to be featured on a future episode and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app.